Hello and welcome everyone to Drewly Noted. As always, my name is Drew Orland. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining us today. As always, we have a wonderful guest. I'm joined today by someone I met in my time at UT Austin doing the coolest thing I've ever done, playing the Carillon. Uh, this person was actually a person who sort of brought me under their wing and showed me the ropes. Uh, and so I'm excited to get to talk to him today. Um, you know him, you love him. It's the one and only Austin Ferguson. <laughs> Welcome, Austin. Hi, Drew. Thanks for having me. Of course. How are you doing today? Uh, I, not so bad. It's been kind of slow. Uh, uh, we got above zero for the first time in nearly two weeks today. So, oh my god! Yeah, uh, uh, welcome respite from the cold. I mean, well, I say welcome respite. It was seven degrees, so uh, yeah, <laughs> not warm, but warmer. So, uh, doing great. I got to go outside and not feel like I was going to turn into a popsicle after five seconds. Which, for for up here, that's a <laughs> that's a rare thing this time of year. Yeah, that's always nice. I was going to say, um, I, I go outside here in D.C. and it's like 30 and I feel like I'm, yeah, li like you said, a popsicle. I'm literally dying. And so I'm sure that's laughable to anyone from here or farther north. <laughs> but um, well, you know, it's funny how uh, it didn't take me as long to acclimate to this weather as I thought it would. It, it, it the, the most important. Yeah, the most important thing I think is that the the northerners taught me how to layer, and that was that makes a big mm -hmm. difference. Uh, but I've discovered that when I go home, I, I try and go home for about two weeks every summer just to get out of Rochester for a little bit, sure. uh, and I am not prepared for the heat anymore. I, I grew up in Texas. I lived what, the first twenty two and a half years of my life there, and I, oh my god, it, you'd think that I was I was born and raised up here. It just it takes it out of me. It's ridiculous. <laughs> But honestly, I'll take the the like two months of two feet deep snow and negative temperatures uh, as opposed to a Texas summer any day. I think last and I think last summer we hit ninety degrees maybe once, if that. I don't. Wow. We might not have even have even top ninety this year. Yeah. Um, so the the summers really do make up for it. About the three months that you can go outside comfortably. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Yeah, that that does sound nice. If it would, if me it would stay that way all year. Yeah, same. Um, <laughs> that's um, that's interesting, and I'm I'm glad you at least are acclimated to it. Um, I feel like I'm discovering about myself. <laughs> if if I have to be on one end of the extremes, I definitely would rather go for the too hot rather than too cold. Um, and maybe that's just <laughs> growing up in Texas, and maybe that's just. Uh, I don't know. I I don't have those um, winter jeans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't like it. I tolerate sure. it, but I think that's what most of us do up here is we complain about it for <laughs> for months and months, and that just yeah. gets us through it. That's um, I do want to ask about layers because <laughs> I'm finding that um, I thought the lesson I had just learned was that well, my, my strategy going into you know like okay, I might have to deal with some colder weather was if I just have enough things that I can pack onto myself. I'll stay warm. Um, and yet it's still the cold is seeping in. So maybe I'm <laughs> I'm either not putting on enough layers or because I was like, oh, maybe what I need to do is buy like actual <laughs> clothes that are made for winter weather rather than just <laughs> a bunch of like summer clothes. Do you know what actually helps? And I resisted this because, you know, I, I went to law school in Chicago before I moved to Minnesota. And so I kind of got a taste of not quite as bad as here. It, it's still cold, but it's not as cold. Um, and I resisted like the first two years I lived up here in the Midwest, uh, buying long underwear, like long johns, or as my, okay. my Mimi would call them, cuddle duds. 
Um, oh, that's adorable. I, I know. She sent me a pair for Christmas one year. Um, they actually make a big difference. I always thought, no, there's no way. And I don't want to wear those. Like, I, no, there's no way. Um, and then wouldn't you know it, actually, they are pretty great. And I have learned the uh, the value of a good hat. That's something I hate to wear mm. hats. they so uncomfortable. Um, but it makes a big difference if you have your ears covered. It, I, it's like night and day for me, and I couldn't really tell you why. But um, no, it's one of those, like I said, we, we can tolerate it. We can live with it. But uh, yeah. if we just have to have to complain about it, because that's the only way to get through it with any semblance of 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 hope, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I, I'm also finding that the ears are, are pretty crucial because I've got my sort of like Texas Rangers baseball cap that I'm wearing around. But <laughs> I quickly found out, you know, having your dome <laughs> covered is and having your ears covered are two very different things. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's it's, it's difficult for me because I have such a huge head. I have to buy like <laughs> giant hats. Um, and yeah. then, of course, they go over my eyes and not just the ears. But, sure. you know, I'll I'll take it <laughs> rather than suffer. <laughs> Whatever fits, yeah. <laughs> Um, so maybe I could use this as a, a nice little segue, you know, uh, learning a few things, uh, doing, <laughs> doing this podcast. Um, so the reason that you live up, up North, <laughs> I think is, is pretty cool. Um, and kind of relates to, you know, how I know you, or maybe I should talk about that first. <laughs> so I, I met you, um, through, we were both in the, uh, well, what's the official title? Oh, I don't know. It's been changed more than once since I left, so I couldn't tell That's you. True. <laughs> um, uh, in so many words, the UT Guild of Student Caroliners, Carolan players, um, those of us who tickled the, not the ivories, but the <laughs> the wooden rods, um, and and you still do. So, so uh, I'm tripping over myself, but uh, if anyone doesn't know, the Carolan at UT and around the world is this... Uh, maybe you can explain it better than I do. I, I'm sure you you give a, a little spiel every time you have to explain it. Yeah, it's not quite a script, but I've got it memorized like <laughs> this one. Um, yeah. The way I would describe a carillon and what I would usually do to people that, that aren't familiar with it is, um, uh, for all intents and purposes, it's basically a giant piano, but with bells instead of strings. Mm. Um, uh, at UT Austin, the, the carillon is in the, the main building, the tower over on the, the main mall. Um, and at least in North America, for the most part, uh, Carolines are found at colleges, uh, universities, uh, churches mostly. Um, and then occasionally in park districts or, uh, for example, in Norwood, Massachusetts, I actually played there in October of last year. Um, uh, yeah, their city hall actually has a Carolina in it. Um, and I, and I think, I think I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think I'm right in saying this. That's actually the only one in a city hall in the country, which is kind of cool. Mm. Um, and I actually play the Carillon at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, uh, which is the only hospital-owned Carillon in North America. Um, it's a very unique little thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's really well explained. Uh, and it, it reminds me of, I remember when I was, um, so when I was a freshman, you were a senior at UT. I think that's right. And uh, long story short, I joined and you kind of mentored me <laughs> in learning how to play and you were the um, one that wanted to practice and, and showed good like aptitude for it <laughs> but I, I remember like every time we'd 
tick someone up or someone would come along with one of our lessons, uh, I, I would just sort of listen and memorize your your sort of spiel about <laughs> this This bell weighs 7,300. I forget the exact number. <laughs> I don't even remember it. anymore. It's been so long. I've forgotten. <laughs> But it, I, I would just basically uh, like memorized all of your fun facts and then I just used those. So um, for all I know, you maybe you made those up and I was just re- regurgitating them. Excuse them, but... you? No way. <laughs> um, yeah, like I was saying, so I was a freshman. You were a senior. You were uh, at the time not only leading the guild, but, you know, playing on a regular basis as the you, you could call you the UT Carolina, I guess. Uh, I mean, it's. Like I said, I think it's one of the coolest things I've ever done. <laughs> I felt so lucky to get to do it. Um, one of those things that just sort of, uh, I, I don't even remember how I like stumbled upon it. Like, I think I was just maybe walking on campus one day, heard the bells and I was like, that sounds like a, like somebody's playing that. <laughs> I don't think it's just a computer or something. Uh, and then, you know, uh, I thought it was a, a pretty well-kept secret. <laughs> um, I, uh, it, it's one of those like things that obviously you like want people to get involved in but <laughs> you're not like tabling on like speedway because <laughs> there's only so many people who can like we did that one year jc and i did and <laughs> yeah. i think we had like seven people show up at our table through the <laughs> the course of like the summer orientation sessions so uh mm-hmm. we we quickly decided that we didn't want to sit out in the heat and mess with that if <laughs> nobody was going to come up and talk to us so yeah. uh yeah it, it's one of those things that uh you you really can try just you know try your best to uh, to cast that net wide and uh, at least with me i mean the draw was oh my god no one gets to do this this is such a cool thing uh yeah you know it's musical it's a it's a almost 100 year old tradition of campus like who wouldn't want to do this and it was always really surprising and upsetting to me in a way that so few people were you know just really cared about it that uh mm. Uh, I, I, people didn't, I mean, people liked it obviously, but it was one of those things I think they could, they could, uh, uh, could take it or leave it. There wasn't real passion for it. And I don't know if that's just because the student body got so used to it happening or, or what, but the ambivalence, uh, toward it, I, I think was always, was depressing because it's such a, uh, such yeah. a treasure that the university has. And I, I just, I feel like it could be showed off. A little bit better in certain ways, but just appreciated more. People need to up their gratitude <laughs> when it comes to that thing. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of the cooler, like um, like you said, like institutions or traditions on campus. Um, and I did always wonder, or like, what's the best way to sort of share this as much as possible with the student body? Because it is, uh, it, it's not like a football game. It's not like a um, hook 'em horn sign like it's hard to share with people other than just the like literal like <laughs> playing of it um just because being so inaccessible <laughs> to the general public which i mean for good reason but um well and that uh, carolines in general are oftentimes difficult to get to not all of them but <laughs> sure. that one i think is actually has the most stringent security in place <laughs> um uh, i think it took me when i was when uh when i was selected to take over the student group uh my freshman year uh, mm-hmm. i think it took something like four months for me to get proper security clearance to be able to oh. have the keys it took a long time <laughs> yeah yeah i remember that always being a hassle uh, oh, um, amen but, to that <laughs> um I, i'm curious you're, you're sort of talking about like you know your 
beginnings with the Carillon, which I don't know if I, maybe I've just forgotten, but um, did you have a similar experience to me? Like, how did you hear about it? How did you, um, I, I think we had the same reaction of like, oh my God, I need to do this. <laughs> but um, you're a very musical person, you're a music major, you have all this experience, but like, what about the, like, uh, yeah, what was your intro to the, the Carillon? Well, you know, actually, I played a Carillon for the first time when I was in high school. Um, the summer oh, really? after, yeah, the summer after my freshman year of high school, uh, I went to what's known as a pipe organ encounter that was hosted at Baylor University, uh, affectionately known as Organ Camp, which uh, <laughs> happened every summer. I went three out of four years of high school, which basically a group of really cool and not nerdy at all people, usually about 20 of us or so, would descend on Baylor for a week every summer uh, and take organ lessons uh, with the faculty and a couple of, of advanced students. Uh, and then we'd give a recital at the end of the week. And I had a church job, so I, I did that to kind of get better with that. Um, and one mm -hmm. of the excursions that we always got to do on one of the afternoons was to go play the carillon. Uh, Baylor's administration building has a 48-bell Picard carillon. And so I, I've always loved bells. Even when I was a little kid, I've really just, I've been fascinated with them. Uh, sure. And getting to play that for the first time was, oh, it was just incredible. And, you know, I only played yeah. all of about two minutes worth. I was just kind of fumbling around. So I did yeah. that uh, three out of four years of high school and just had a very, very basic understanding of how to play. I could play play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, the one I made you play uh, to audition <laughs> for the group. And I could put my feet with it. I could do like chords, like the, the roots of the chords with my feet. Um, so freshman year, I saw, I think it was like just a, a, a flyer in the music building uh, advertising spots open for this there were three spots that we could take and i actually originally wasn't going to do it i thought wow that'd be really cool but there are so many other really talented people i i would never be picked for this and i don't want to go through the trouble of auditioning just to get my you know just get my hopes shot down sure. and i talked to my mother about it who has never been one to mix words and she said and i quote you get your ass on that bench and play <laughs> so i did yeah <laughs> um uh yeah so she was pretty direct about that um yeah. but i i went and did it just to do it i figured it wouldn't hurt and wouldn't you know it they took me on um i yeah. honestly I, I think you know i mentioned this the biggest draw for me was just kind of getting to go behind the scenes and yeah. do something that was so exclusive that multiple people had wanted to do but weren't selected to do you you know you kind of have that little mm -hmm. superiority complex a little bit <laughs> sure um, but it was, it was just fun. The The group in my freshman year, I think, was a particularly fun group. Um, and we always enjoyed Tower Time. We did it, I think it was Tuesday afternoons, if I'm remembering correctly. It was Tuesday or Thursday, but I think Tuesdays. And it, it was just, it was so much fun. Um, yeah. And I, I really took to it. I, I used to, uh, they, they kind of made fun of me a little bit uh, because I intended to learn how to do it. I had set my mind I was going to do it and 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 become you know, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so on Monday, Wednesday, Friday for two hours, I would go in and practice consistently wow. every three days a week, two hours a day. Uh, and I just, I practice, 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 and, and kept that up. And, uh, halfway through freshman year when, uh, Amanda was, who was the student director before me, Amanda Jensen, uh, was getting ready to leave. We had officer elections and they appointed me as the student director because I, I would have been there the longest. I still had three years sure. um, and made the time to do it. 
Um, so did that. And then as soon as I took over, I emailed the Baylor Carolyn, her name is Lynette Gary. Uh, and I said, Hey, you might not remember me because we've only met like three or four times. Um, I just landed the gig of, of, you know, primary performer at UT. I need help. I need lessons. I need someone who actually knows what they're doing to teach me. Yeah. Um, and she said, I, I'd be happy to, you know, and so it eventually worked out. Uh, all my last three years of college, once once or twice a month, it just kind of depended, uh, I would drive up from Austin uh, to Waco on a Saturday morning. Uh, Lynette and I would work in the tower for two or three hours. Uh, then she and her husband and I would go out for Mexican food or barbecue or something. They'd treat me. Uh, and then oh. we'd go back to campus and work a little bit more. And then I'd head back to Austin. Um, so and Lynette, to this day, she and her husband, Mark, are very, very close friends of mine. Uh, That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I, I try and see them every time I'm in Texas. Um, so I, I did that and basically uh, just made a point that I wanted to improve, not just because I wanted to be good at it, but uh, mm-hmm. so that I could kind of try my best to self, you know, get a self-perpetuating student group going. Um, sure. What I didn't realize was that I'm not a very gifted teacher. Uh, both my parents are teachers, and I did not. I wouldn't inher- agree with that. <laughs> I did not inherit that skill. My poor piano students now must hate me. Um, uh, but, I, I'm sure that's not true. <laughs> bless. <laughs> um, but no, so I I just did that. I I really saw it as something that could be built upon. That the university it was an asset that the university could. I you know, in my opinion, back then. Uh, could have made better use of, and I think I think mostly uh, the way I described it to uh, Donna Bellinghausen, you know, the former associate VPSA that we worked with, mm-hmm. uh, I described it to Donna once as I'm really good at being annoying in a nice way until I get what I want. So <laughs> sure. uh, I think I honestly annoyed <laughs> annoyed the the, the guild into uh, being asked to play at commencement and gone to Texas and and honors day and and UT remembrance and all that stuff. Uh, which was something I really wanted to do because it wasn't always consistently done like that. Um, But I think especially because so many of those events are student centered commencement and gone to Texas, especially. um, I I think it was, it was imperative in a way to involve, involve students with that. So uh, yeah, basically if you ask any Carolinur how they got, uh, they got started playing the Carolin, 99% 99% of the time, the answer is going to be, oh, completely by accident, blah, 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 blah. You know, I met so-and-so yeah. or heard such-and-such. Um, and th- that's exactly what happened with me. Um, but I am yeah. obviously very grateful uh, for that opportunity. I, I first played a Carillon in the summer. It was June 2008. So it's been a long oh. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I uh, Obviously, I was familiar with the like events that we helped helped out with on campus but i didn't realize how much of that was you that's pretty cool um it's because i was the only one that actually made time in my schedule to do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm not um, saying i cut a lot of classes for the carolina when i was in school <laughs> but i might have a little bit <laughs> sure um well I, I mean it's nice that all of this um like you talking about all the work that you put put in uh you know the classes you may or may not have skipped <laughs> um not to sort of jump over your ut experience but uh fast forward to uh now you're like you're doing it you're uh so i i think you mentioned already but um at the mayo clinic you're the uh do you have an official title or are you just the uh yeah my my official title is carolyn at the mayo clinic (laughs) that's so cool um uh how long have you been doing that how long has it been since you graduated 
actually, what is today, the 16th? It will be four years on Saturday. I started February 20th. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it feels That's... simultaneously like a lifetime and like I've been here two years ago. Actually, uh, funnily enough, on my Facebook memories, it popped up. I actually moved to Rochester today. Well, uh, back in 2017, so it's been it's been nice. Uh, Rochester is a cute little town, but I I am I know I am very lucky to have my job, and I often remind myself that when I when I find myself kind of groggy in the mornings, going oh I wish I didn't have to go to the office today, that I remind myself I am incredibly lucky to have what is my dream job, and that I need to get my butt out of bed. <laughs> and yeah, your your office is like the coolest part of the city. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um. Can you walk me through sort of like uh, what is a what are your expectations as the Carolinar? Uh, what what is a typical work day look like? Uh, yeah, so I am structured under the humanities department. So um, uh, Mayo Mayo Clinic as a whole, you know, our three main locations and then the health system. Each of the three main campuses actually has a humanities department. Believe it or not, mm-hmm. um, and Mayo is incredibly invested in investing in the arts which is fantastic yeah the the mayo brothers who founded the clinic back in the early 19 early 20th century um were firm believers in the role that arts and humanities play in the healing process it's not just a science you have to have the mental thing there too Mm. um so i am structured under what is known as the uh uh the dolores jean sorry mayo clinic dolores jean lavin center for humanities and medicine um uh, (laughs) mr lavin's endowed in memory of his wife and so I, I work for them. I have the world's best boss, whom I, I just adore. Um, and there are four employees in the whole department. <laughs> um, okay. uh, but we get a lot of stuff done. So a typical day for me consists of um, pre, pre-COVID, pre where I only really go in now to play and then I leave because I don't like to be on campus. Sure. Um, I am typically in the office anywhere from about 10 to 6 on any given day. It just kind of uh, weekdays. Um, it just kind of depends. I, I do have a little bit of freedom to kind of tweak that schedule as need be. But my main duties are I perform eight half-hour concerts a week. There are two uh, per day on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then one a day, Tuesday, Thursday, plus any special occasions like Fourth of July, Christmas Eve, Memorial Day, Labor Day, all that kind of stuff. So mainly focusing for that, I practice like four hours a day typically. Uh, I have a self-imposed rule. I won't repeat the same thing twice within a month unless it's some big to do. Um, <laughs> sure. So I have to recycle, not recycle. That's a I lot have, of music. Yeah, I have to work <laughs> through a lot of rep. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I feel I, I feel like it keeps things interesting. Which is sure. it, UT. My rule was two weeks, but at Mayo it's a month because I have actually I, have to- <laughs> I get paid to practice now, which I have to remind myself a lot. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I could at least uh, if I was. Um, taking a piece up in the tower and i was like well i played this last week but uh yeah <laughs> i could usually justify it by saying well you know what i'm not getting paid <laughs> this is out of my own personal time so <laughs> they'll take they'll take what they get the secret to that is honestly the people don't really pay that much attention but yeah uh for those that do because i i publish my i'm actually working on programs tonight uh i pro i, I publish programs usually about three months out so Oh well, uh, yeah. People have time to uh, uh, to look and kind of familiarize themselves with what I'm doing. Why? <laughs> that seems like an obscene amount of time. <laughs> Why three months out? That seems so. It actually is a lot. Um, mainly <laughs> because it helps me in terms of uh, 
in terms of what to practice. I, I can know oh, I that, you know, if I say, oh, I'm going to play, I don't know, the Ron Barnes arrangement of the waltz from Eugene Onegin, which I'm doing in May, and it's really freaking hard. Um, sure. I can say, well, I know I want to play this because it goes with the theme I'm going for, or somebody requested it, or, uh, you know, it fits for Memorial Day or something like that. Mm. Um, I, I can make sure to put in the time to do it. Um, and honestly, I, I in Austin, I would I wouldn't do them till the day of. I would announce it when I decided what I was going to do. Um, <laughs> and at Mayo, I would do them a week at a time when I first started. Um, and then in when was it? It would have been, I guess it was fall of yeah fall of twenty eighteen in October. Uh, the instrument got taken down with uh for some restoration work and that ended up taking six months even though it was supposed to take six weeks um so uh because of that because i wasn't playing for six months in an effort to justify my paycheck because i was still (laughs) getting paid during that six months uh i at one point sat down when i knew what the completion date was going to be where i could you know i could put down a where i could program a, a a welcome back recital um, I sat down one day and did three months worth. I planned from February through the end of May. Um, wow. And I just kind of kept it going. I So I put those in the program system. And then I usually, honestly, I'll do them just one month at a time. But they're always three months in advance. Just because that's how I happened to get started when I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, it, I, I keep it that way just because it's easy for me to do. But yeah, it like I said, it helps me mainly just to uh, keep track of what I'm doing and hold myself accountable with practicing, which is becoming even more imperative because I actually have a meeting on Thursday. We're in the finishing stages uh, of getting live streaming set up. So people wow. will be able to see and hear what I'm doing, which, Jesus, that stresses me out like no other. Because <laughs> the reason I like the Carillon so much is because I, I don't care if people can hear me. Yeah, uh, but I don't like to be seen. I get horrible stage fright. Right. Um, so the relative anonymity of the Carillon, you know, if people know who I am, that's fine. But if, you know, if they're not watching, yeah. me, it doesn't bother me. Uh, and that <laughs> takes that. This takes that away. So very excited because this is one of the uh, uh, this is one of the initiatives that I like mentioned in my interview with, with this sure. was you know I I want to. I want to get this set up because I think it'd be beneficial that we, you know, people that aren't on campus can hear it, yada, yada, yada. Um, And we had a very generous donation from, from a benefactor. Uh, uh, I think I'm allowed to say that. It hadn't been formally announced (laughs) yet, but uh, that has made this possible. And we are really looking forward to getting it set up and kind of announcing that to the world because it's, it's a very, very quality system that I think is going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to that. I, I I didn't know that was in the pipeline. Um, yeah, like uh, I said, it hadn't been announced yet, but I think it's not a secret, so we should be all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is funny that you mentioned. Uh, yeah, it, it always one of the draws of the instrument was that you could. Uh, it's simultaneously like so public and yet like very private because <laughs> it's like sure, like maybe thousands of people are listening to you. Well, that might be I don't know, but <laughs> in Austin, um, yeah, that actually is probably accurate. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and yet, at the same time, nobody knows who's playing. So, you know, um, I, I couldn't tell you who said it. I read this ages ago or heard it ages ago. Uh, but uh, a Carolyn Moore once referred to the Carolyn as the most democratic yet autocratic of all instruments, and it's exactly <laughs> it's total parallel to what you just said. That you know, it's 
I, I refer to it. I have a little quip uh, that I used it once in a meeting at Mayo and people just jumped on it. Uh, I, I refer to the Kirlan as the people's instrument. Um, and in that, yeah, right. It's so corny. <laughs> it's, it's a buzzword though. Um, yep. but that everyone hears it. it it's, uh, you know, it unites everyone under this, um, this wash of sound, this umbrella from, from above. Uh, and yet one person is controlling what gets played. If you don't like it, you're, <laughs> you're out of luck. Uh, because it's, it's entirely up to one person, which I think is, is, is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that, that is, uh, a very unique thing that not a lot of people can say. Uh, we actually, for one, I think it was my sophomore year, uh, we made t-shirts for the guild and we ended up going with keep calm and carol on, which we <laughs> thought we were being unique and clever, but everybody sure. under the sun has done. Um, well, I, I, I always thought, uh, <laughs> that that was the best like possible take on it. Cause it's so like. It so perfectly fits like every other manifestation of that was like kind of a stretch and like outdone. But like that meme was made for like it, it, it's perfect. Well, yeah, we decided with that one. But our first idea until we learned that we couldn't use a picture of the tower because it's, it's oh, okay. trademarked uh, yeah. was it was going to be a picture of the tower. And it was going to say, you play a flute cute. I play a building. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Yeah, that got shot down. Big flex. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh my god, big flex. <laughs> um I I was laughing earlier when you were talking about like there is kind of a um like you can pretend when you're playing it like like being all humble and like, oh it's just like a, a an instrument like any other and like it's just a I feel like, like at times I kind of downplayed, like, oh, it's not that cool. But then th there's times when you're up there and you're like, no, this is pretty badass. <laughs> oh, it's really freaking cool. Uh yeah. Uh, I hate to admit this because I I at least at Mayo, I do see my job as part of the humanities. I think it is a wonderful asset that the clinic can offer people uh, mm -hmm. because you'd be amazed how often I get an email or a, or a voicemail uh, or a tweet even because I have a Twitter account for the Carolyn um, yeah. uh, for people that will say, you know, I was crossing from the Methodist hospital to the Mayo building for an appointment for such and such. Uh, and you were playing this little folk song that my grandmother would sing to me when I was homesick as a kid. It really made me feel better, um, which is, oh, it's it's humbling and heartwarming. Yeah. So I, I, cool. do, I do see myself very much as, as part of the humanities process. But there is something that is just really like self-gratifying. It is a huge <laughs> ego stroker uh, yeah. to be able to do this because not a lot of people can. And it's just... It's kind of cool. It's badass. It really is. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, just uh, I made a joke once when I was in college. I think it was right after I I got tower access with the keys. Uh, I told someone, I said, I feel like I should just be singing. I've got the power as I walk across campus with these keys <laughs> in my pocket. Yeah. It's like, a, <laughs> you know, that meme that uh, maybe it's kind of old now, but it's like the guy at the party. who's like, they don't know I'm blank. <laughs> Sometimes I'd like. <laughs> Sometimes I'd walk out of the tower and be like, they don't even know I was just up there like <laughs> playing that song. Oh yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um yeah. the one time actually that somebody recognized me uh for the most part cuz I I really do try and have a keep a fairly low profile. Um it was somebody that like kept up very stringently with the the guild's Twitter account that I used and therefore knew <laughs> who I was. Yeah. And he was listening to a concert just during a weekday. I couldn't even tell you what it was. 
And uh, I played Roy Hamlin Johnson's Summer Fanfares, which I don't know if you remember that. It's octatonic. It, I'll, I'll get crucified. Not off, the, if, not off my head, but. <laughs> yeah, I'll get crucified if anybody from the Carol, like from the Carolina world hears me say this. It's not very enjoyable to listen to from <laughs> okay. a, from a historical perspective and from a music theory perspective. It's incredible. Genius, okay. wonderful, brilliant piece. <laughs> Very sure. important, but it's not pretty at all. Mm. It it sounds like you're just chord mashing with different notes. Yeah. Um. But I I play it every now and then just because it's important in yeah. the literature, and I need to practice it in case I ever have to play it for something. Sure. But I had played it at this one thing as my closer for this concert because it's kind of a showpiece, and I was walking out of the tower, and I actually used the front door as the building, which I never hardly did, yeah. and I walked out, and the this guy must have seen me from you know. I think it was in front of Battle Hall because I saw him kind of jog over. He was like, you're awesome, right? You play the bells. And I said, yeah, that's oh, me. Wow. Well, you know, hi, <laughs> creepy. Um, yeah. And he said, what the hell was that? Don't ever play <laughs> that. Why were you just banging on the keys? And I had wow. to I had to explain to him that it was, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, I love that. <laughs> I love that you got that encounter. Like, you're the one who's, like, meticulously practicing hours every day, like, up there all the time. Meanwhile, I was not so diligent. And uh, that there were a few times that I performed something that I was like, oh, I, I can sight read this part. <laughs> and I did not get the, uh, I probably deserved to have the people come up and be like, what the hell was that? But luckily I never got called out. You want to know a secret? I still do that sometimes. <laughs> I know I shouldn't, but sure. every now and then I'll put something down that I'm going to play and just completely forget about it. Like I will space cadet about it and <laughs> totally forget. And I'll say, yeah. well okay let's see how this goes <laughs> yeah. and some i'm a decent sight reader sometimes it'll it'll be fine uh but every now and then i will like greatly overestimate my abilities and just embarrass <laughs> yeah. myself so uh especially now i have to be extra careful <laughs> since it'll be since they'll be streamed um yeah but i think that's oh, that's the, a good point yeah yeah right um, I, I guess one day I could accidentally forget to flip the switch or something and say, "Oh no, I forgot. I'm sorry." <laughs> um, I, I think you you quipped to me once, like early on, uh, playing some piece. You're like, some of these Carillon pieces are dissonant or atonal enough that, like, if you mess up, no one's really gonna know. <laughs> like, or even if you like play all the notes right. Sometimes it sounds like you're messing up. So that's exactly uh, right. <laughs> you, you get into trouble when you start playing the like contemporary like pop hits because everyone's gonna know if you mess up a Beyonce tune or <laughs> you know. You know, I've actually I don't think I've ever played Beyonce. Really? Yeah. Um. I I mean I do Lady Gaga and ABBA and but I don't think I've ever done Beyonce. I'll have to change that. Wow. Yeah. Get on that. <laughs> Queen B, if you're listening, it's not it's nothing personal. Yes, and I'm sure she is listening. <laughs> She's got nothing better to do. Can you imagine Beyonce listens to your podcast? <laughs> That's like the <laughs> ultimate compliment. <laughs> That's uh, interesting. I was going to ask if you still um, incorporated more like contemporary music into your like repertoire. I, um, I I I do try to. It's not my favorite in a lot of in a lot of ways. Actually, jazz and blues work very well. I, I enjoy those. Um, I don't do it all the time just because it it's not written for the Carolina. It's not going to sound great. Right. And there are some things that work better than others, like Dancing Queen by ABBA. Fantastic. Mm. I, I did a really good arrangement of that, you know, if I do say Ooh. so myself. Um, <laughs> and it, people go crazy for it, which is great because it's melodic. It's not too yeah. thickly textured. You can get away with it. 
Sure. Um, I in, in undergrad, I once had somebody ask me to do Anaconda by Nicki Minaj. Um, and I said, I would love to do that. Like, that's yeah. great because there are so many lines in there that aren't just lyrics. They're like art. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But unfortunately, that would not work. So that didn't fly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's one of those I, I try and do maybe for every two or three kind of academic pieces, uh, you know, air quotes, they're academic um, which could be something written for the Kirlan or a, a transcription of a classical piece or something like that. Uh, I will try and do one kind of recognizable thing just to keep people interested. You know, they can say, sure. oh, I, you know, whatever, all Bach sounds alike, which it does. <laughs> Don't come for me, <laughs> classical musicians, but it does. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I couldn't care less about blah, blah, blah. Um, mm-hmm. But you played like Alanis Morissette today. That was awesome. You know, yeah. it kept me engaged and uh, gave me just enough that I was, you know, I, I paid attention for the rest of your program. Yeah. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I, I will do every now and then I, I do a whole lot of arranging when I'm not practicing. That's oftentimes what I'm doing is yeah. uh, either working on requests that people have sent in or just doing something that I've thought of that I think might be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it keeps it interesting for the for the listener as as well as sure. for me. So I do try and 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 throw those in just just for fun. And I, I've done a little bit of of everything at one point or another just to kind of cast the net wide. Sure. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, you talked about how it's kind of like a piano, um, but there are like some sort of scientific differences that i i think you know more about than i do that make it kind of tricky when you can't just take any like piece that sounds cool on a piano and just transpose it and it's something about like the overtones is that right like the way it like rings on several yes bells are unique in that they have a minor third overtone which no other instrument has um and i I couldn't really tell you why it has something to do (laughs) well it has something to do with the shape of it Mm -hmm. um and for whatever reason, that's just the way it does, which cool, you know, whatever it's, it's unique, yeah. but you do oftentimes have to be careful because it can get really muddy really quickly. It'll be hard to kind of, uh, uh, decipher what you're trying to play. Sure. Um, but then again, that's, that's also part of the fun in composing to an extent, but I think arranging more so, um, is that it's almost like a puzzle sometimes that you have to kind mm-hmm. of figure out. Not everything is going to work, and you know it's one of those things you just kind of have to uh, to play around with and see if it does. But every uh, now, and then, it, it, it is kind of fun once you can figure out something that you wouldn't think would work that actually does. Yeah, it's, it's it you know, makes you feel good. <laughs> yeah, um, I was always pleasantly surprised when I would uh, yeah try something out and it was like, oh, this sounds it sounds like it was like arranged for Carolyn, and <laughs> it's just some random pop song. What uh, was just... that one pop song that you made me do with you that? The remix to Ignition. That's what it was. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh my god. I, I haven't thought about that in <laughs> years now. Um that actually it worked better than I thought it would. Yeah. <laughs> I will give you that. I think that was a request a friend of mine. But yeah, I think it worked out. Um talking about um sort of the like acoustics, like the science of it, I remember I don't know if you guys overlapped, but there was another Carolineer named Samuel, and uh he was a graduate student in mechanical engineering studying like acoustics like the exactly the kind of thing um and it made me laugh because there were 
like there was a year that I brought up like two different groups. There was the, you know, every year we brought up that first year interest group from the music school. So it's all these like freshmen who, music majors who are like obviously into like the music side of things. I was in, I was in the music school fig my freshman year. Oh yeah. <laughs> so people like Austin. There were two that year actually, um, but we were the cool ones. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, the, the kind of people who would always make me the most nervous to bring up because it's like, oh my God, they're gonna, <laughs> every wrong note I play, they're going to scrutinize. Yeah, same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it made me laugh because that same year, I think we brought up uh, a group, some like a, some seminar that Samuel was in that, that was like only students who were there to like learn about like acoustics and stuff. <laughs> it made me laugh like these two different groups, how different their experience was. Because like, I remember we took the acoustics group up into the belfry and they're all talking about like the shapes and like harmonics and stuff and i was like oh this is interesting like the dynamics <laughs> much different for <laughs> why they're up here um but yeah that that always made me laugh um, I, I, haven't, I haven't talked to samuel in quite a while he came and played his i think his girlfriend was like from rochester from the area oh, cool. um and he came and played sometime in late 2019 i think it was but i haven't seen him since then yeah i remember he I was telling me about the carillon at BYU uh, and showing me pictures and stuff. And they, they also have like a really beautiful carillon there. Um, I, I'm sure you know every carillon in the country. <laughs> Not quite. I, I know of that one just because a very close friend of mine from high school went to BYU. But I, I've never been to Utah, so uh, I have not been to play. I know, I know Don, Don Cook, the, the organist and carillonneur at BYU. But unfortunately, have not made it out there. It's awfully isolated. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um this is another good segue because I want to talk a little bit about um, sort of the Carillon community. Um, so when I was a, a freshman, we had the uh, the Texas Regional Carillon Conference. Yeah, the Texas Carillon Conference, which was really cool for me as like a brand new member of this community to meet all these people who flew in from not just Texas from but from like around the country, uh, and to see you like you're like buddies with all of them, and to see this like pretty tight knit community of like not that many people, um, which I, I think is cool. Cause um, how do I put this? I mean, we're talking about how like rare your job is. I think it's cool that like, in terms of the like number of full-time Carillon positions in the world, <laughs> like you're, you're one of the few people that gets to do this. Um, but oh, I guess the question I'm getting at is, do you find that like, now that this is your, uh, you're like even more involved in the community, are you, um, y- you mentioned sort of like, going to play in uh i forget the the town but in massachusetts oh norwood yeah uh, yeah um are you getting cool opportunities like that is it a pretty like you go you would go and play at someone else's carillon and then later on they come and visit you is it like kind of symbiotic like that it is kind of quid pro quo uh actually when i was in massachusetts i was on vacation i went to to newport uh, rhode island but i flew in and out of boston uh and saw a friend of mine while i was there and norwood and i played at cohasset too at st stephen's um mm-hmm. both of which were just kind of on the way to and from Rhode Island, from Boston. Um, so that was just for fun. That wasn't formal. Um, every now and then, yeah. Um, I did, I think, two summer guest recitals in 2019. I played Michigan and Vermont, which was stunning. I, I really want to go back to Vermont. Sure. Um, I've. It just kind of depends. Um, the Carillon world is very small, obviously, especially in the U.S. Sure. Um, and so there is oftentimes... Uh, the summer recital circuit because you know places around the country do summer summer recitals where guests will come in oftentimes um 
it seems sometimes, and this is not a dig at anybody, oftentimes it will sometimes seem that uh, the same people kind of get asked to play at different places over and over again, which I get, you know, you're from, these people are comfortable with that instrument, people enjoy hearing them, all this kind of stuff. Uh, But at least in terms of doing my own summer recitals here at Mayo, uh, I make a point to try and invite people that I don't see on these summer recital programs very much. Mm. Uh, Just to, number one, get them exposure you know, have them come play, uh, get them a little money and just to experience, you know, Minnesota in the summer. Cause it's beautiful. Sure. Um, but one thing that I, and I, I talk about this with Carolyn Norris too, is, uh, I try and be in terms of just playing. There's so few people that play. There's so few Carolines there are less than 200 in North America. Mm. Um, I, I try and be very, very open with the tower. Even if I can't pay you to come and play, I actually, I have somebody next Friday who's a, uh, doctoral student at Princeton, uh, his Carillon teacher, Lisa Loney, whom I know and work with fairly often mm-hmm. in the GCNA. She's a friend of mine. Um, Lisa emailed me and said, hey, this is my student, James. Uh, he's from St. Paul and is going to be in Minnesota at some point, whenever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have a moment and if Mayo will let you, would you consider taking him up in the tower to play? And I said, sure. hell yes, of course. <laughs> I will never say no to anybody that wants to come play. Um, yeah. He's actually coming next Friday and is going to be giving a guest recital here for us, which I'm really looking forward to. Awesome. Um, but yeah, no, I, I try and be very open and keep the tower accessible uh, just because if, if you're in the area and chances are, if they play the care you're going to know who the person is. I actually don't know James, but I know Lisa and she vouched for him. So <laughs> that's good enough for me. But um, no, I, there's some, there tend to be uh, in a lot of places. And again, this is not a dig at anybody. Um, but uh, people can, it's the same way with organs a lot of time too, because, you know, there aren't very many people that play and they're big and expensive and a source of pride that, uh, oftentimes uh, one can kind of develop a feeling of overprotectiveness just because, you know, this is, is a treasure. I'm its guardian kind of thing. (laughs) Um, and sometimes people are a little bit stingier than I think they need to be with, yeah. Uh, with giving tower access in some places, I understand it's just a security reason. UT Austin, for example, and right. and other places, I get that it can be a challenge. But uh, I'm very much of the opinion that if you are able to share it, let people come and experience it, and and just enjoy it. It's it's meant to be enjoyed, and yeah, you know, do that. So I kind of have a thing if uh, if I'm vacationing or just traveling somewhere where I know there's going to be Carolyn, like in Massachusetts, for example. Um, I'll email the person and say, Hey, you know, hope you're doing well since I saw you at Yale back in 2016. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be in town X, Y, Z. Uh, and my go-to is always, can I come play for 20 or 30 minutes and take you out to lunch as a thank you. And yeah. nine times out of 10, that will always work. <laughs> sure. Uh, cause I think people just like a free meal, but <laughs> it's, right. uh, it's one of those, uh, you know, we're, we're so spread out. The, the GCNA, the, the Guild of Carolinaers in North America is, a wonderful group or a giant, very tight knit family of people that really genuinely enjoy each other's company. Um, yeah. but because we're so spread out and, you know, we only see each other typically once a year, unless you live in an area that is densely populated with Carolines, right. like, like new England, for example, has a lot, but Minnesota has three. They're all kind of clumped in the same area, but the, sure. the nearest one to us is like in Ames, Iowa, at Iowa state or Madison, Wisconsin. Oh, wow. They're both about three and a half hours or two and a half, three hours out. 
Yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's I, I think it's good, uh, and I really try just to see people when you can because sure. uh, you know they're your friends, and and you don't often get a chance to so just capitalize on it when you're there, and it's fun to play other instruments just to kind of get a feel for uh, for something that's not your own because it's a challenge, yeah. but is a lot of fun and it makes for good pictures uh on facebook i always get a lot of likes when <laughs> when i post care on pics so uh yeah. it, it's fun that's cool um yeah I, I always thought it was interesting how uh <laughs> the like nature of the instrument is that you could play on one instrument in austin let's say and then go to the carillon and baylor which i only ever played on the austin one <laughs> but really um, they could be yeah i i kick myself for not uh forcing myself to travel more and like get out and i, I think when i was <laughs> there are three carillons in washington dc i remember so when i was um here back in <laughs> back in 2017 and i was still like uh you know actively like the head <laughs> caroliner at ut i was like okay i have just a little bit of clout like maybe i can sway that into like getting in touch with someone and i i put in some effort trying to like contact whoever i could in wherever the like few carillons that I found, I, uh, but it didn't end up working out. I'm sure if I had like pestered them a lot more, maybe it would have happened. But, uh, <laughs> I think after that, I was like, I think I, I'll just stick to the, <laughs> our, our 56 bells in, in Austin. <laughs> you know, it's funny, actually, the Mayo carillon is exactly the same size as the Austin carillon. Really? Yeah. It's a little bit older and a little bit heavier, but it has 33 bells made by Pettit and Fritzen as opposed to what is it? 39 in Austin, I think. Or 38, yeah. whatever it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because it sounds completely different. It's a sure. very different sound profile. Uh, yeah. But no, this if you ever decide you want to play Carolina in Washington, D.C., let me know. You can name drop me in an email. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd i probably have to dust off the uh, – <laughs> the, the, I'm, I'm a little rusty, but <laughs> uh, maybe if they let me get – if it, maybe if they let me into the uh, practice room, I could uh, get my chops back. I haven't played in two weeks. I'm not going to be able to remember what to do with my feet. I go back. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I probably don't have the ab strength to. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember being surprised how much of the playing was, especially if you were doing hands and feet at the same time. It's like, oh man, this is kind of a core workout. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's funny people that come up that have never seen a carillon played before. Uh, that's the single most common comment I get is, you know, oh oh my god, this is physical. And it's just <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, it's it's actually kind of a lot, especially at Mayo. The instrument is ridiculously heavy. Um, <laughs> it's a workout. It takes a little time. Sure. Um, I do have a few sort of <laughs> questions that I, I ask every guest that I've just sort of put myself in a hole now that I have to <laughs> check off at the, at the end of every episode. But, um, the first one is, do you have any go-to like gas station order or like a snack food? If you're working on something, what's your like mindless eating go-to? Oh, that's funny. Um, if I'm at home, usually, uh, Popcorn. I, I I like popcorn with a little bit of uh, Cajun seasoning on it. Ooh. Or if I'm on the road, this is disgusting, and I fully acknowledge that it is. Uh, pork rinds. <laughs> Spicy pork rinds. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. They're so gross, but so good. <laughs> um, yeah, th those will do it. I, I, I can't say I've ever had... I, I'm I'm sure I have, but I <laughs> pork rinds are not my go-to. Oh so. no, stay away, stay away. They're <laughs> horrible for you. They give me horrible heartburn, but oh, they're tasty. Cool. Um, and then my other go-to question is: Do you have a uh, any fun facts? Something you've come across recently that you think the the world should know? 
Oh, oh, Christ, that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, and if not, then that's fine, but... Oh, no, now I'm under pressure to think of something. Um, It's it's Bell-related, so I'm sorry to, to bring you back to it. Um, I did learn not too terribly long ago, and I don't remember where I read it, that when you tune a bell, you know, you tune bells by shaving off metal from different points in the inside, mm. uh, that when you tune it, the pitch actually goes down rather than up. Really? Yeah. You lose metal, it goes deeper in tone. Who would have thought? Interesting. Yeah. I never knew that. Like, I <laughs> bell tuning as it is, I understand how it works, but not why it works, if that makes sense. <laughs> right. um, yeah, that took me by complete surprise. Um, and the person that told me that might just be, like, full of it and was playing a joke <laughs> on me, but I took it at face value, which I think is interesting. <laughs> so is it, like, uh, if you can only go down, like, is there, is it possible to, like, I guess for people who tune bells, do you have to be very careful about like only going in one direction? Cause if you go too far, it's like, well, we can't add the metal back. <laughs> oh yeah. If you screw it up, you have to either make it in it. Like you basically have to melt it and make a new bell, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no pressure. Um, do you have anything before we wrap up here? Do you have anything to plug or advertise? Should people go <laughs> check you out somewhere? Oh, um, or if they want to tune into the live stream, is there a place that they can? Uh, the that? website is not live yet, so unfortunately cannot do that. Um, okay. Probably, I have the link, but it's not the. Uh, there's nothing really on it because sure. um, it's not public yet. But um, yes, the Carillon has a Twitter page. You can follow it. I changed the URL not too long ago. Let me remember <laughs> what it was. One sec. Okay. Um, I'm sure too. If I googled Mayo Clinic Carillon, well, it was one thing, and I changed it. Okay. Yeah, so it used to be at Mayo Clinic Carillon, but I just shortened it to it's twitter.com slash Mayo Carillon. M-A-Y-O-C-A-R-I-L-L-O-N. No nice. no ampers or sorry, uh, no dashes or underscores or anything. Awesome. Um yeah, I, I I guess maybe on Facebook or somewhere so every now and then I get like uh something will pop up from uh either specifically like the Mayo Carillon or um, I don't know if you're still involved in the GCNA's social media, but it, you seem to pop up a lot and uh, it's cool to see you out there still doing your thing. Oh yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, I am one of like, I think the three people, well, there are three of us on board, but Scott's really on the one to post anything. Uh, but I, I, I do post occasionally on the, the GCNA Facebook page um, and the Mayo humanities page. I, I, I'm the admin. I'm one of the admins on that too. Um, but yeah, it's really exciting. I would encourage anyone that's interested in the Carillon, you know, even if you don't have the opportunity to play, um, it, it it it's very interesting, and there are a lot of resources if you just want to learn about it uh, at gcna.org. Yeah. Check it out, and I mean, you can always shoot an email to anybody that plays the Carillon, and I guarantee you, uh, they will respond and be like, "Oh, it's so great, you're interested. You know, talk to me about it. Yeah. Um, reach out. We're friendly." um and and like to share this instrument so awesome yeah and if anybody that plays the Kieran is ever in minnesota hit me up <laughs> come and play awesome um cool and as we're wrapping up i want to say a big thank you to you for uh joining me for this weird little <laughs> thing i'm doing um and also just to toot your horn a little bit um you know i i wouldn't have gotten involved and learned so much about the Carolan if you weren't such a great and welcoming teacher. I know you were joking about it earlier, but I did learn. That wasn't a joke. You just had the <laughs> aptitude for it, and I just kind of shoved it all on you. I will say you uh, took a chance on me, giving me the reins uh, so early, and um, 
definitely your work ethic uh, motivated me. I didn't practice quite as much as you did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's because at one point I felt the need to kind of like, oh, I'm going to show off and be all hoity-toity and and just great at this. (laughs) Um, So, you know, as much a a quest for self-glory as it was to... uh, uh, to enrich the life of the university, but um, no, awesome. it, it's it's something wonderful, and I hope that kind of the the whole COVID thing doesn't put a uh, doesn't put a stop to the the things the student group are still doing because there's so much potential still for the uh, uh, for the group and for admin and just for you know the university as a whole to uh, to tap into. So fingers crossed that when things become a little bit more normal. Uh, they can kind of get back into the swing of things and get it going up again. Awesome. Um, Well, yeah, again, thanks for joining me and thank you everyone for listening and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I guess I'll see you next week. (laughs) Bye-bye.